everyone, and welcome to BibleQuest.org. My name is Drew DeGrotto. I'm your host. This is the Tuesday edition. We want to welcome everybody out there that is coming in to uh, listen and watch. Uh, if you're coming in on the Zoom app, please use the uh, chat window or the Q&A box and uh, give us text in your questions uh, or comments. If you're coming in on the Facebook page, uh, just put your comments in there. We're monitoring uh, all the channels. Um, sorry, we're running a little late. We're just getting carried away with the time, uh, but we are ready to go. Um, Jonathan, good to see you. How you doing? I'm doing well. Good to see you guys. Good to see you. And uh, Scott Smeltzer, our program director. How you doing, Scott? I'm doing well, Drew. How are you doing today? Doing very good. I guess this is our second program for the year. Something like possible? that. Yeah, yeah. Mm. Moving in. Okay. So what are we doing on our second program for the year, Scott? Are we going? Okay, so just a second. Uh-oh. It sounds like somebody's at the door. It not, says it's opportunity. Oh, <laughs> opportunity is knocking. Does this have something to do with? What, does this have something to do with what we're going to be talking about today? Yes, our topic today is missed opportunities, and so we're going to be looking at the gospel. It's people that really missed some opportunities, and and then some people that answered and responded. Uh, kind of like many are called and few are chosen. Uh, but let's just introduce it with discussing the fact that, you know, sometimes in life we miss opportunities. Uh, and so just a, about three minutes before we went on, Drew, I think you mentioned that years ago, a buddy of yours came to you with a stock tip advice. Uh, oh, yeah, it was. In fact, I forgot about it until you said about, did you lose it? Did you miss any opportunities? I said, yeah. I forget it was either 87 or 89 and I was at my studio and one of my colleagues walked in and he says, Drew, you got to buy one or, one or both of these stocks. I don't know which one I want to buy first, but I'm going to buy both of them. I'm going to put a thousand dollars in Microsoft and a thousand dollars in Apple. Huh? Who are these people? What are you talking about? I haven't got that kind of money. Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to do that. <laughs> knock, knock, knock. I just said, close the door. <laughs> So last week, Bertina had, uh, she's a, uh, uh, teaches at a, at a homeschool uh, cooperative group, and they had a guest speaker, and he was an, an investment guy, and he was talking about years ago as a wedding gift, he was given $1,000 when Amazon was first getting started, and he invested in Amazon, and but then it went down, and then it came back up, and he got rid of it. Uh, and it'd be worth millions now. <laughs> so sometimes opportunity comes along and hey, but hindsight, oh, it kind of ruined that word. We used to say hindsight is 2020. Now it sounds like hindsight has COVID. But, um, you know, looking back, we can see where we missed opportunities. And sometimes we don't know, you know, because uh, I remember uh, the year I invested in uh, mutual bonds. It turned out to be the year that there was a bond bust. So it didn't do too well. All right. So, uh, Jonathan, you you have any? Uh, 
opportunity. Wait, 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 Go ahead, Drew. Before Jonathan's here, but you know, the difference is that what we're going to be talking about is the, because you, you mentioned we're going to be looking at opportunities in the, in the gospel and the things that we just talked about, I would say they're mundane, they're earthly things. And you don't know, you don't really know the outcome. And so you pass it on. But what we're going to look at is, you know, at least they knew, they saw evidence on who Jesus was. And so they had a little bit more, yeah. more, I don't know what, what insight or more, I don't know what the word I'm looking for, but you know what I'm saying? It, it, they yeah. had more to the, take advantage of the opportunity. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Jonathan, what were you going to say, Jonathan? You guys are talking about your missed opportunities and like the multi-million dollar investments and stuff. Uh, I guess I haven't lived long enough to, to know if any of the opportunities I've missed are, are going to be that, that extreme. So my missed opportunities are like, the first car that I was going to buy, I had a choice between two different cars and I chose the wrong one. And it only lasted for about two months. <laughs> so what were the two choices? Uh, it was like a, it was a 91 uh, Ford um, or excuse me, a 91 Chevy uh, 1500. And that's the one that I bought that lasted for two months. Uh, and then there was like a Ford Focus. It was like a 2002 Ford Focus or something. And I picked the Chevy because I wanted a truck. And it lasted for two months and died, and I was out like eight hundred dollars. Yeah, That's okay. Yeah, yeah. So. so, how are you gonna now? What's the segue into what we're looking at with missed opportunity in the let's, gospel? Yeah, let's let's start with Herod, uh, and just mention him. And then we're gonna go to John nine uh, and some other people, Luke twelve, etc. But I just want to mention Herod just coming up front because it's right at the beginning of the gospels. So you are king, right? And when you when you like to presidents, they usually are worried about what their legacy, right? How they're going to be remembered. Well, how is Herod the Great remembered? Is he remembered because, oh, Herod was great. No, <laughs> he's called Herod the Great, but people hated him. Uh, he did monumental building programs. Uh, but, you know, uh, of course, one of his biggest constructions got destroyed in 70 AD following the people's rejection of the Messiah, who Herod also um, not only rejected, but wanted to have killed. So, you know, he could have said, oh, the Messiah's born? <laughs> Scribes, where? Bethlehem? You know, politically, even if not spiritually, might have been a nice photo op. But <laughs> spiritually, <laughs> if he would have appreciated like Simeon. Simeon's like, I got to see the, the, the Lord's anointed before I died. And instead, Herod's like, like, I want to kill him. Uh, he doesn't, uh, he was an evil, wicked man. He was so jealous of his own power. <laughs> two quick stories. He had two of his own sons murdered because he didn't want them to get power. And when he was dying and he knew he was going to die, this is recorded in Josephus. He knew people were going to be happy <laughs> that Herod was dead. And he wanted people to be sad and mournful. So he left orders gather the most respected men in Judea, put them in the Hippodrome, one of the places he built, and when I die, execute them all. So that way, instead of people partying, it would be a day of mourning. Well, then Herod dies. Well, what's the one problem about being a dead dictator? Nobody has to listen to you anymore. Yeah. <laughs> they didn't do it. But that was a rather... Uh, despicable low ending to a despicable man. Uh, Scott, maybe I'm missing something. Where did the great come in from? 
Uh, <laughs> Holy <laughs> great. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I don't know if that was, you know, if his publicity agent came up with that or what. All right. So who, who let's get to someone who missed the opportunity. Yeah, let's, let's uh, do you want to start with the guy in Luke 12 or John 9? Either one. Your call. Let's start with Luke 12. Oh, John 9 is funnier, but let's start with Luke 12. So we're, what we're doing is while we're going there, we're looking at individuals who had an opportunity with regards to Jesus Christ, but they kind of missed it. And, and before we read this passage in Luke 12, how many times have you heard this question posed? If you could meet one person in history, who would it be? A lot of times, and a lot of people will say like Jesus, or some might say some political figures like George Washington or something like that. But. Um, have you ever heard people say, if I could see Jesus, here's the one question I would like to ask or, or something like that, maybe. Mm -hmm. All right, so let's just imagine, poof, you are alive at the time of Jesus and you get an opportunity to come up to him and speak to him directly and ask him a question. Golden opportunity, right? You get, you're not just, you know, in the crowd of 5,000, you're 4,238 in the back trying to figure out what he said. You're getting to actually talk to him, right? That's what this guy had. So Luke chapter 12, verse 13. One out of the multitude said to him, What's he say? He said, teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. That's such a fail. <laughs> you got the chance to talk to Jesus and you blew it. Creator of the universe. <laughs> tell my brother to give me some of his money. Uh, so Jesus responds to it. How does Jesus respond? Who made me who who made me judge or arbiter over you? Take care and be on your guard against all covetousness, for one's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions possessions. All right. So he's rebuked as he needed to be. He completely wasted this opportunity. But it, hey, it sets up an opportunity for this parable here. And he tells him a parable about covetousness. And I want to take a minute to talk about this parable because it shows two different types of covetousness mm -hmm. that are pretty interesting in the world today, right? Do we have some really, really, really rich people in the world today? Of course. Yeah. The 1%, yeah. you know, that Bernie talks about. Yeah, there are some people that are just phenomenally rich. They, they couldn't spend all the money that they've got hardly. Do we have people that want those people's money? Yep. Yeah. Yeah. And that feel like the reason I don't have much money is because they got all the money. <laughs> mm -hmm. uh, let me offer a, a quick economic lesson right here. Um, so the guy I mentioned that bought Amazon early and then sold it, um, or, or, or Microsoft, let's go back to your thing of Microsoft, right, Drew? Yeah. So Bill Gates is one of the richest persons, richest people in the world. 
And sometimes people will, they did this on the news, they did it as a pumpkin pie back at Thanksgiving. And they showed how much of the pie the rich people have. And other people only have this much pie. Well, what is that intended to promote politically? Attitude of unfairness and there's no equality and that kind of thing. Who wants to go to Thanksgiving if the three of us are at Thanksgiving and Drew gets... (laughs) 80% 80% of the pumpkin pie and, 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 and Jonathan and everybody else were having it. That's not fair. He should share his pumpkin pie with us, right? Yeah. Yeah. And Patrick said also jealousy. Yeah. 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 Exactly. Jealousy. Well, the fact is, Bill Gates does have a bunch of money more than me. But uh, Drew, you and I were alive before Bill Gates started making money. Um, were either of us multimillionaires or millionaires uh, before Bill Gates came along? Nope. Yeah, I don't remember being a millionaire until Bill Gates came and took all my money. Yeah, it didn't, work. It didn't <laughs> yeah. It's, it's, you know, I had what I had regardless of Bill Gates. So how did Bill Gates, in other words, Bill Gates didn't take our money. How did he get it? Well, he made a product. Yeah, he made a product. And I have given Bill Gates a little bit of money. For instance, I happen to like PowerPoint better than Keynote. So when uh, on my Mac here, I purchased from Microsoft PowerPoint for Mac. Guess who that gave a little bit of money to? Bill Gates. Bill Gates. But you didn't give it to him and he didn't give you nothing. You have a product, yeah gave me the product that I wanted that I use all the time that helps me in my work. Shouldn't he get some money for making my job easier? Yeah. And, and making me productive. Yes. So I'm, but he's got more pumpkin pie than me now. <laughs> well, he gave more pumpkin pie to everybody else. He didn't steal our money. He made a product that a lot of us have used in one way or another. And if you make a product good enough that a whole lot of people in the world want some of it, you're going to end up with a lot of pumpkins. So there's, he's getting more pumpkin pie, but it didn't change the amount of my pumpkin pie. It, I gave him, what, maybe a couple hundred bucks because I didn't get the whole suit, just PowerPoint. But it helps me in my work. So we need to get rid of this jealousy. But there's another kind of jealousy that is the greedy 1% that only want it for themselves and won't help everybody else, Mm -hmm. right? So there's a lesson here in Luke 12 to both sides. Which person, and somebody read the story that Jesus gives after this. In verse 16 of Luke 12, he told them this parable saying, the land of a rich man produced plentifully And he thought to himself, what shall I do for I have nowhere to store all my crops? And he said, I will do this. I will tear down my barns and build larger ones. And there I will store all of my grain and my goods. And I will say to my soul, soul, you have ample goods laid up for many years. Relax, eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, fool, this night your soul is required of you. And the things that you have prepared, whose will they be? So is the one who lays up treasure for himself and is not rich toward God. So we got two kinds of greedy people here. The guy in the parable, is he the jealous poor guy, resentful that other people have money? Well, he no. Has a lot. He, yeah, he's the greedy rich guy. 
it's like he, he's already got a lot and then he got more and more so that his problem is what he's overflowing he doesn't have enough place to put all of this stuff. yeah i've got so much i've got it's it's like say the 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 rich man who's got so much money now he's got to find places to put it you know in other uh, other countries and stuff so he doesn't have to pay taxes on it all what am i gonna do with all this money and does it cross this guy's mind oh i've done so well i've got plenty for me i should share with other people and help somebody else does that cross his mind i don't see that in the story no yeah what's the most prominent word or words in the whole narrative I or my. <laughs> Give us a sample of how many times it's in here. Yeah, so verse uh, 17, what shall I do for I have nowhere to store my crops? Uh, verse 18, I will do this. I will tear down my barns and build larger ones and there. I will store all of my grain. I mean, you can look at every single verse. It's got like five or six oh, <laughs> references wait a minute, to wait himself wait a in each wait, verse. Wait a minute, Jonathan, he does say you. In, in 19. Yeah, but that's talking about himself also. Uh -huh. <laughs> <laughs> right. You, yeah, yeah. soul, right. you have ample goods. Yeah. So here's our rich fat cat 1% who's very selfish and only concerned about himself. But the story gets told in response to a rich fat cat. No. The story got told in response to the guy that when he had an opportunity to talk to Jesus, he wasted it with the stupid question. Tell my so brother to give me money. Give me his money. Yeah. So, so covet, you can have covetousness either place. You can be poor and greedy. You can be rich and greedy. Jesus' answer is don't, don't be greedy. greedy. <laughs> don't be, if you're poor, don't be greedy and covetous. And if you're rich, don't be greedy and covetous. Uh, but, uh, this is a lesson this guy needed to learn and be good if he would. Anything on that before we move to our next one? All right, let's go to John 9. Why don't you guys start telling us the story of John 9? This is one of my favorite accounts in the New Testament. Yeah, so in John 9, uh, Jesus is in his ministry and he comes across a uh, blind man. And at the beginning of the story, the uh, apostles see the blind man and they ask kind of an interesting question. They ask Jesus, you know, who sinned that made this man blind? Was it him or his parents? Um, and Jesus says, no, uh, that's not how it works. Uh, neither of them sinned. This was so that the power of God can be displayed. The works of God can be displayed in him. And uh, he heals the blind man, tells him to go wash in the pool. And he goes and washed and came back and he can now see. Um, so a really amazing miracle. And uh, starting in verse eight and going through, there's some different interactions that some people have with this blind man before Jesus comes back onto the scene. Um, and there are a lot of missed opportunities in here. I think you said we were going to focus on just the parents of the blind man. Um, but uh, I think there are more than one missed opportunities here. So I'll just read verse eight. It says, the neighbors of those who had seen him before he was a beggar <clears throat> were saying, is not this the man who used to sit and beg? And some said, it is he. And others said, no, but he is like him. And he kept saying, I am the man. And so they said to him, then how are your eyes opened? And he answered, the man called Jesus made mud and anointed my eyes and said to me, go to Salome and wash. And so I went and washed and received my sight. And they said to him, where is he? And he said, I do not know. 
And they brought him to the Pharisees. Uh, they brought to the Pharisees the man who had formerly been blind. Now it was a Sabbath day when Jesus made the mud and opened his eyes. And so the Pharisees again asked him how he had received his sight. And he said to them, he put mud on my eyes and I washed and I see. And some of the Pharisees said, this man is not from God for he does not keep the Sabbath. But others said, how can this man who is a sinner do such signs? And there was a division among them. And so they said to the blind man, what do you say about him since he has opened your eyes? And he said, he is a prophet. I just, gonna, I just want to stop right there because I think we're going to focus on like the parents um, and they're in this next section, what they do. But man, the Pharisees miss a huge opportunity all throughout the Gospels. Like, and I, I try to put myself because I, I think I think we can really, really bash the Pharisees really, really easily when we're reading through the Gospels because it's just ridiculous some of the things they say, that they do and say. But it's because they're so self-righteous and full yeah, of themselves right. that they that they miss all the obvious things that are happening. And that's something that we also need to guard against in our own lives because we can miss the same kinds of opportunities when they're slapping us right in the face like and the Pharisees did. And they're they're so blinded by one thing. They've got their Sabbath rules and different things that they've built. You know, so they're always upset. Wait, he did a miracle on the Sabbath day. Wait a minute, Scott. That that was interesting what you just said. They're blinded by their own. Yeah. And yeah. this is a miracle yeah. about a blind man who now can That's see. True. That's true. That's true. And, uh, you know, it should have occurred to them. Wait, but wait. But if God did a miracle through him, maybe God was okay with that. Mm -hmm. but, oh, okay, go ahead. Yeah. And there are other times that this will happen too. like a similar type of thing will happen in Acts chapter three and four, whenever Peter and John heal a lame man that everyone knew was lame for 40 years and they get put on trial and the Pharisees amongst themselves and the Sadducees and the, those in the Sanhedrin will among themselves say, you know, there's been a sign that's happened and we can't deny it. We know that this has happened, but we're still going to be opposed to the message. And it's just that that level of blindness is just ridiculous. Um, to, to see that, which is interesting, the juxtaposition of that with this other guy who was blind, but now he's seeing clearly. Right. Um, so he says he's a prophet. And then in verse 18, the Jews did not believe that he had been blind and he had received his sight until they called the parents of the man who had received his sight and asked them, is this your son who you say was born blind? How then does he now see? And his parents answered, we know that this is our son and that he was born blind, but how he, how now he sees, we do not know, nor do we know who opened his eyes. Ask him for he is of age. He will speak for himself. His parents um, said these things because they feared the Jews for the Jews had already agreed that if anyone should confess Jesus to be the Christ, he was to be put out of the synagogue. Therefore, his parents said, he is of age. Ask him. Would you say they were throwing him under the bus? Like get, keep us out of the conversation. <laughs> <laughs> these these two don't deserve Mother's Day, Father's Day cards very much. <laughs> these are these are just cowardly people. Uh, you remember John twelve? It talked about people that believe but wouldn't confess it because they love the glory of men more than the glory of God. So let's back up here and set the stage. Imagine you are Mister and Mrs. Blind Man parents, right? And so religiously, ethnically, what kind of person are you? Jewish. You're a Jew. You're a Jew. Does the Bible, your Hebrew scriptures, talk about the glorious day to come when someone's going to come from God? Yeah. yeah. Prophecies yeah. about a man who's going to even yeah. heal blind people. Yeah. Uh, does, does their religion seem to be important to them? 
Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. So you're a Jew, you and your wife, and you've got a son, and he's been blind from birth. So someday the Messiah will come. In the meantime, we have a blind child. Wouldn't it be kind of seem like good news? Hey, what if in one day you can find out who the Messiah is and your son will be given sight, right? Talk about an opportunity. And, uh, and the Messiah heals their son. But it's like, what? Was he really blind? We need to check with the parents. And they go, it's our son. He's blind. He's of age. You ask him. Uh, it's, this is just sad. It's really, really pathetic. Yeah, he was blind, but we don't know how he can see right now. Well, the son told you how he could see. Everyone in the town knows how he could see. And they they don't, I'm sure they're glad he can see. But if, so, if, if Jesus made your blind son be able to see, could you gather some courage and some gratitude? But they don't. Blind by their own desire to want to be part of the club. So opportunity has costs. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And in the same go ahead. I'll I'll ask this question, then we'll get back into the text. Drew, why was it when your friend said, Hey, there's these two new companies, Microsoft and Apple? Why didn't you just do it? To lay out a thousand dollars at the time on something I'm not familiar with. I, I never heard of them. I mean, I may have heard of them, but I, you know, there was another world. Opportunity has a cost, whether financial yep. or otherwise. There yep. are costs yep. to opportunities. When we make one choice, that by default, that eliminates another one. Like if you're if you're in the market to buy a house and you make an offer and buy this house, that means you, you're not going to buy this one. There's there's costs involved. Drew. Going back to that analogy, what I should have done, because I respected the fellow who told me this, is he he did have money, was successful. But I should have said, well, let me write that down. Let me go check them out, do some research and investigation. And I probably then would have said, you know, this this looks promising, because because it was they they just weren't started that year. They've been around a number of years, and the growth was large but they were so cheap in stock these people here they were they could have done the investigation they could have done the research and 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 check well actually the pharisees were doing the investigation yeah but they just threw out the facts yeah they're they're looking when you do an investigation until you find what you want to find is different than an investigation what happened so john back to the text yeah, and so like you see the the opposite of what that is. So you got two missed opportunities, one from the Pharisees, one from the parents. But all throughout the story, and I skipped reading over the first part of the story in the first five verses or first seven verses, but at the very beginning, the blind man really, I think, exemplifies how to take advantage of some different opportunities. He's blind sitting there, and Jesus comes and puts mud on his eyes and tells him, go wash in the pool of Siloam. And he goes and does it. He yeah. takes advantage of the opportunity. And then after that, for the rest of the story, regardless of what the cost is going to be to him, which we'll see, he gets what his parents were afraid of might happen to them. He's still going to stick with Jesus. And so in verse 24, um, after the parents say, go and ask him again in verse 24. So for the second time, uh, 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 some people might have been just be coming on. It's John nine. 
Yeah, John 9, verse 24. His parents had just said, he's of age, go ask him. And so in verse 24, so for a second time, they called the man who had been blind and said to him, give glory to God. We know that this man is a sinner, talking about Jesus. Uh, and in verse 25, he answered, whether he is a sinner, I do not know. One thing I do know that though I was blind, now I see. And they said to him, what did he do to you? How did he open your eyes? And he answered them, I've already told you. And you would not listen. Why do you want to hear it again? Do you also want to become his disciples? And they reviled him saying, you are, uh, you are his disciple, but we are disciples of Moses. We know, we know that God has spoken from Moses, but as for this man, we do not know where he comes from. And the man answered, why, is, why this is an amazing thing. You do not know where he comes from, and yet he opened my eyes. We know that God does not listen to sinners, and if anyone is a worshiper of God and does his will, God listens to him. Never since the beginning of the world began has it been heard that anyone opened the eyes of a man born blind. If this man were not from God, he could do nothing. And they answered him, you were born in utter sin, and you would teach us, and they cast him out. Wow. So you've got this guy on the opposite end of the spectrum. He's like, I, I don't have all the answers. They're questioning him, trying to get him to say, you know, make call him a sinner, you know, glorify God, say he's a sinner because we know that he is. And the guy says, look, I don't know. I don't have all the answers, but here's what I do know. I was blind and now I'm not. <laughs> and yeah. he's the one that made me not. Yeah. Logically, if we put the rest of the pieces together, no one can do this if they're not sent from God. Since the beginning of the world, nothing like this has happened. He has to be from God. And the Pharisees, you see, again, them just missing opportunity after opportunity after opportunity. More and more evidence is stacking up, and they keep saying, no, no, no. And so finally, they just arrogantly say, we're not going to listen to you. You're you're born in utter sin, and you're going to try to teach us, and they throw them out. Um, what a mistake there. When we, when we reach the point where we say, I've got all the answers, I know everything, nobody's going to teach me anything, you just eliminated all sorts of opportunities going forward. Yeah. You know, Proverbs says, the, rebuke a wise man, he'll become wiser still. Instruct a wise man, he'll become wiser still. But the fool hates to be corrected. You, you've locked yourself in to the ignorance that you have. All right, keep going with the text. And so after he's kicked out in John 9, verse 35, Jesus heard that they had cast him out and having found him said, do you believe in the son of man? And he answered, and sir, and who is he, sir, that I may believe in him? And Jesus said to him, you have seen him and it is he who is speaking to you. And he said, Lord, I believe. And he worshiped him. And Jesus said, for judgment, I came into this world that those who do, not, uh, who do not see may see, and those who see may become blind. And some of the Pharisees near him uh, heard him say these things and said to him, are we also blind? And Jesus said to them, if you were blind, you would have no guilt. But now that you say we see, your guilt remains. They were kind of recognizing that he was, Jesus was pointing his finger at them, and they recognize, you're saying we're blind? <laughs> yeah. I like in it's either Luke 12 or 14 where he's rebuking Pharisees and Scott said, well, Jesus, and saying that you're rebuking us also, also lawyers as well. And Jesus says, and woe to you lawyers. <laughs> so really missed opportunities. What's another example from the gospel of somebody that really missed an opportunity? We've got the uh, rich young ruler, what we call him, the unnamed man uh, mentioned in different of uh, the Gospels. We'll look at him in Mark 10. 
um, Mark 10 verse 17 starting, you've got this guy that comes to him. Um, he runs up to Jesus and he's got one of the same similar opportunities as the guy in Luke 12, where he gets to talk to Jesus and ask Jesus a question. And Jesus has a, a really interesting conversation with him in Mark 10 and verse 17. Uh, as he being Jesus was setting out on his journey, a man ran up and knelt before him and asked him, good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And so if you stop right there, that's pretty good. That's a pretty good start a, to the conversation. That's, that's a great. much better question than the other fellow that said, tell my brother to give me his money. Yeah, yeah. That's starting off really, really great. I want to know what do I have to do to get eternal life? And so Jesus tells him in verse 18, Jesus said to him, why do you call me good? No one is good except God alone. You know the commandments. Do not murder. Do not commit adultery. Do not steal. Do not bear false witness. Do not defraud. Honor your father and your mother. So Jesus lays out some of the different commands and things that he needs to be following and, and maintaining his righteousness. And in verse 20, the man said to him, teacher, all of these I have kept from my youth. And Jesus, looking at him, loved him and said to him, you lack one thing. Go sell all that you have, give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven and come and follow me. And disheartened by the saying, he went away sorrowful for he had great possessions. So it's like, you look at this guy, he starts off really, really great. Yeah. comes to Jesus and he says, what do I need to do to, to inherit eternal life? Calls him good teacher, recognizes his authority that Jesus would be able to answer that question for him. He hears part of the answer and he thinks, well, that's already lining up with my life the way that I'm living it right now. Perfect. You know, um, uh, you think about, like you talked about opportunities costs uh, are, have a cost to them. There's a sacrifice that's involved in opportunities sometimes. Well, up until verse 19 uh, or verse 20, the man that runs up to Jesus, there's no cost really to him. He's already living his life, not murdering people, not committing adultery, not stealing, not bearing false witness, not defrauding, not honor, or he's honoring his father and mother. That's what he was already planned on doing anyway. So great, no problem. But whenever the opportunity that's knocking the eternal life that he's asking for starts saying, you need to do something that will make you uncomfortable that you haven't already planned to do when Jesus says you lack one thing, and identifies his greed problem, um, like we already talked about in Luke 12, that you need to go and sell all you have and come and follow me, the man is disheartened, and he goes away and misses his opportunity because there's one thing. And you think about that. If there's one thing in the way of you getting eternal life, yeah. like, wow, like I look at my life, I've got a lot of things that could easily get in the way of me getting eternal life. Jesus talking to this guy says, you got one thing. And he lets that get in the way and misses opportunity here. And it's really sad um, to, to see that. And you see the response of the disciples after that in verse 23, Jesus looked around and said to his disciples, how difficult it is for those who have wealth to enter the kingdom of God. And the disciples were amazed at his words. But Jesus said to them again, children, how difficult it is to enter the kingdom of God is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to enter the kingdom of God. And they were exceedingly astonished and said to him, then who can be saved? And Jesus looked at them and said, with man, it is impossible, but with God, uh, but not with God for all things are possible with God. Um, so. Well, by the way, well before, you, before you go to another one, something popped out that I haven't seen before. And that's the way it is with scripture, right? We read through and all of a sudden it pops out, something pops out. In 21, after um, when the man says, I've done all these things, I've done it for my life. Jesus looking at him, loved him. Yeah. I don't recall seeing that term, loved him. Uh, that I'm assuming yet yeah, it's agape, right? Yeah, yeah, it would be agape. So, so he's putting the he he's interested in the other man. He's got his, how's that word? How's that worded? Like he he puts the other man's interest above his own. He cares for the other person. Yeah. 
Now, the, the Greek word agape can be used in a lot of different ways. For instance, How, how's it used there? Here, just general like love. It, it, it's a basic word for love. Uh, it can be used, for instance, when it says the Pharisees were lovers of money. That's also agape. Okay. Uh, okay. But it's, it's a general word for love. But in other words, Jesus is doing him a favor here. He's telling him what he needs. Because he cares for him. And this is the one thing you're lacking. This is one thing he's lacking. And it's what he's in that Jesus is right that he's lacking it is seen in his reaction. Because if he's got to choose between following the Lord and keeping his money, he does not give up his money. He goes money and goes away sorrowful. Now, uh, so coming back to that idea, idea of cost. Now we can't pay for our redemption. Our, our redemption is paid for. But there, there's the concept of opportunity cost. When you choose one thing, that means you didn't get the other. You know, if you've got an hour on Saturday between this hour and this hour, and you're thinking I, I could go work out and get some exercise, I could work on the vehicle or the house, I could take a nap, you know, it's you've got different beneficial things that you might go with, but when you choose the one, it means don't take the other. You, you don't have the other. We, we make opportunity choices all the time. And this guy chose his money. Now here's what's kind of sad. Does he still have his money? Yeah. Not presently. I mean, does he still? Oh, no, 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 no. When he walked away from Jesus, <laughs> he, he, away. <laughs> okay. he still had his money for how uh, long? Yeah, till he died. Yeah. And based on eternity, he, he was asking for eternal life. And he gave that up for temporary cash. Mm -hmm. That's amazing when you put it that way. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And some, sometimes the cost is, is very minimal at the moment. Let's go back to the blind man. You're sitting there blind. A guy comes up and he does something to your eyes. He goes, go dip in the pool. Well, there's a cost. You got to stand up. You got to get make your way to the pool of Siloam and dip in it. But he said, I don't feel like it. What, what, <laughs> he just stayed blind and opportunity lost. So he, he was willing to do that. But then the cost got greater. When he stood up for Jesus, he got kicked out of the synagogue. Does he, did he look like he's disappointed in that? Oh, no. No, he finds out who the Messiah is. Who is the Messiah? It's me. And he worships him. Uh, and so yeah, yeah, we, we've got to be willing to, to what, what is the uh, fellow in search of goodly pearls do when he finds one that's beyond value of anything he's ever seen? Sells all that he has and buys that one. Yeah, realizes it's worth losing everything else to get that. Sometimes the cost is here. Sometimes the cost is here, but it's realizing what's more important. Yeah, we had a comment come in that said, uh, when your kingdom, quote unquote, kingdom is being threatened, you don't want to see even if it's clearly visible, because their religious kingdoms talking about the Pharisees back in John nine, uh, is threatened, they don't want to see. And I think that that yeah. so easily happens a lot of times in a lot of different circumstances, like, uh, in a sense, this rich young man that's in uh, Mark chapter 10, his kingdom is being threatened, his lifestyle, where what he's living, it's being threatened. Uh, he's going to have to change his lifestyle, change how he lives, change who he is, and those kinds of things. And when when our uh, when our boat is kind of starting to shake and, and getting rocked, 
sometimes we don't want to be uncomfortable. So we just ignore things, even when they're clearly visible. Uh, you see that happen over and over in day-to-day life and also over and over in the scriptures um, of people just missing even the obvious opportunities because they don't want to be inconvenienced. Well, he didn't want to give up his Mercedes. Yeah, yeah. And let's go back to Herod where we started. What was Herod worrying about losing? His power, his kingdom. Yeah, his power. And you can tell by... You know, it's arrogance and and having his own sons killed and then wanting people to be sorrow because all these people, very selfish. And he, power, me, me, me. If he, what was John the Baptist's attitude towards Jesus's ascension? John the Baptist. He was humbled. He accepted it. He, in fact, yeah. he said, that's got to happen. Yeah, I need to decrease. He oh, needs good. to increase. Right. And how's John remembered? We go, oh, that loser John, <laughs> you know, Jesus. Jesus. No, we respect and appreciate John for being the lesser one introducing the greater one. We respect that. But, you know, Herod, he wanted to be remembered for such great things. You know what? If it weren't for Jesus, you wouldn't have even heard of Herod the Great. Right. You know, how many kings from the first century that had been in the first century BC, do you know the names of? Hmm. Not that many. And so he could have humbly accepted and, and let, and, and yeah, oh, Jesus is gonna get some attention instead of me. Yes, it's the way it should be. Instead, he, you know, we see what happens. And he, go down, and he goes down in history as a very foolish, wicked, arrogant uh, man. Hey, Scott, we, we've been talking about people who had missed the opportunity, but uh, don't you have a couple of examples of people that actually did not miss the opportunity? Yeah, so we got about three minutes here. Let's just name some people who opportunity knocked and they responded well. Uh, well, one of them, one of my favorites, he doesn't respond well at first, but then starts to listen and think more clearly later on in the Old Testament, uh, Naaman, who's the leper. Uh, He has an opportunity to be healed, um, to have his leprosy kind of cleansed. And this is, you know, back, they didn't have vaccines. They didn't have modern medicine. He was pretty much a death death sentence type of disease. And he's got an opportunity to have it healed. So he goes down and... uh, Almost missed it, but then listened and humbled himself. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Very good. Who else? How about the sinful woman that went in and washed Jesus' feet? Mm Mm-hmm. Well, oh, he's a uh, big guy that uh, had a big opportunity and he uh, took every advantage of it afterwards. He's a guy that's persecuting the church, killing Christians or dragging them into prison totally against Jesus. And then in Acts 9, when he's confronted with the truth and confronted with Jesus, uh, he makes an extreme 180, maybe one of the more extreme 180s that we read about and commits the rest of his life to preaching and following God. Good point. He could have closed the door to that one, but he didn't. How about with Mary and Martha? Jesus is in the house, and Mary's taking the opportunity to listen to Jesus. Whereas Martha is really focused on something good, fixing the food to serve people, but and she's upset. Jesus, make her kind of like the guy we start with. Tell her to come help me. And he said, you're busy about many things. She's chosen the necessary thing. Mm-hmm. She took better uh, 
demands or opportunity there. And I'm Another, not sure where is it Zacchaeus? I'm not sure what. Oh yeah, Zacchaeus. Yeah, he's in the Gospel of Luke, and Jesus is coming by, and he's a short guy, and he's not going to be able to see him. So what does he do? Climb a tree. Climbs up in a tree, and Jesus sees him, sees his faith, and, and goes and stays with him. Yeah. Yeah. Said also a comment came in from the audience, Nicodemus. Um, who shows up various different times in the Gospel of John. He comes to Jesus in the night uh, at the end. And the impression that I get at the end of the Gospel, uh, Nicodemus is, it seems like, a believer, uh, comes and buries with Joseph uh, whenever they come and get Jesus' body. But he believes at the beginning, but he doesn't have the courage at the beginning. Right. Right. Uh, but, but we know you're from God, but he came at night, and then he's in the group where they say, none of us will believe. And Nicodemus goes, well, should we judge him before we hear? He's trying to play neutral. And they, like, are you from Galilee? So he hadn't told them what he really believed. But then he steps up at the end. And that's good. It's good. You know, if you didn't answer opportunity before, then like Nicodemus, step up at the end. I guess the one more that, I, that we had, I see on a list here, is the woman who touched his garment. Yeah. Yeah. If I can just touch his garments, all over, and that's what she took advantage of that opportunity. Yeah, very good. She was healed. So opportunities are out there, people, mm -hmm. and they're easy to miss. <laughs> easy to miss, and we need to be willing to give up some things mm -hmm. to pursue the better opportunities and realize what opportunities have greater value. Well, thank you guys for your discussion today. Thank you to our audience uh, participating today and the comments and questions that you guys have. If y'all have any other uh, comments or questions or thoughts on this topic or any other topics, you can submit those to BibleQuest.tv and we'll be happy to go over those uh, in our following shows. Um, but that's all that we have for this week. So we will see you all next time, Lord willing.